Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, diggity? I don't know. I'm just imagining what weather must be like on Mars. <laughs> if, if Mars was made of chocolate bars, they'd have chocolate rain. <laughs> chocolate rain. It's infectious, isn't it? In a b- very bad way. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm skeeved. <laughs> For those of you who are not uh, hep to the chocolate rain, just go to YouTube, type in chocolate rain and... Beware, your day is lost. <laughs> you will be overwhelmed by the amount of chocolate rain stuff. Yeah, the original Tays on Day. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is John emailed me this link to YouTube last night with the, um, I think the message said wow or something. I don't even remember. WTF. That's what it was. Question mark, exclamation point, which I think stands for with the firewood. What? The Flarg. Yeah. So there's this very strange young person who claims he's 25, but he looks 14, and he has this very deep voice, you know, and he looks like the, what did you say, the spawn of... <laughs> he looks like the genetic spawn of Michael Jackson and uh, James Earl Jones. Yeah. And he sounds like... Yeah, exactly. If you spawn their voice, it would probably sound like that, too. You well, combine he, them. The the look is Michael Jackson, kind of um, Wayne Brady-esque. And and uh, he's Don't just Wayne Brady. Come on, now. he looks like Michael Jackson and Wayne Brady combined, but his voice is like James Earl Jones, but deeper. Chocolate rain. Yeah. And, and well, his it's not. I don't know if that it's deeper, but it's more. It's got like a kind of quality to it. Yeah. I don't even know. What, yeah. Thro- exactly. It's got a throatiness to it, and and he's got all these original songs that are just uh, bizarre. Very bizarre. Yep. I don't even know what the chocolate rain lyrics are supposed to mean. I don't know either. He says the word chocolate rain 46 times, yep. and he talks about beating dogs. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's the parody. I know. <laughs> he talks about people crossing the street Yeah, and uh, eating I, soup with a spoon. <laughs> I'm going to need to find out what, what this all means. It's all very deep. So um, you want to play our um, poetry, or do you want to get into the other part well, of the Well, let me hit what's going on, what I have noticed uh, on my uh, television surfing lately. Yeah. One first thing is um, Gordon Ramsay's a genius. Why? Because he's just brutally honest. You, have you seen you've seen his shows? Yeah. We, we talked about I've, him before. I've seen two episodes, I think, this season. But which which show have you seen? Because he's on everything now. His show, uh, Hell's Kitchen, or whatever it's called, the one where he goes to a restaurant and he pretty much lays it on the line. He teaches someone how to fix their restaurant. That, no, the it's one the talk? one that he's the host, and it's a elimination show. It's a it's a um, reality show. I I only saw uh, one episode of that. Yeah, that's the where I know him from. Well, where I know him from after that is I saw him on BBC. I think it was BBC America. Um, he's got a show. It's a it's a BBC show where he goes to a real restaurant, and he 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 this restaurant's failing for some reason, 
and he tells people how to turn their restaurant around and he's brutally honest with them and, and he's getting right in their face and he says, your food is crap. You know, people don't know what you're doing. He, he gives them a new menu. He cleans up the place. He tells them how to run the front of the, the, the restaurant, even physically cleaning it, changing whatever on the menu, the silverware, everything from top to bottom. And the show is about him um, essentially ripping people a new one, but for their own good. And it's just, I don't know why people sign up for this and think that they can do it their way. But every single time someone says, well, I'll take a little bit of his advice and then I'll still do it my way. And they're always wrong and they always fail when they don't do what he says. It's just amazing. So I think that I'm going to be a huge fan of his. Well, and I, on his show, Hell's Kitchen, I watch it and I'm constantly amazed by the fact that the contestants on the reality show, the people who are competing to win the chefdom at this restaurant at the end, these people are not like valedictorians of the culinary institutes and stuff like that. They're, They're so incompetent and maybe there's one or two that actually have a clue. And I'm thinking, I mean, what are they just giving him fodder so that he'll have people to scream at? I yes. mean, if they put all valedictorians in there, may but you know what? He'd always find, even if you have, there's a bell curve in everything. Even if you take the best, there's a bell curve in that too. You know, there's going to be somebody who's not as good and somebody who is the 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 king cream of the crop, and there's going to be people in the middle. Mm-hmm. So he'll always have the left side of the bell curve to yell at. Well, I, I think that they usually grab more on the left side of the bell curve so that he can yell at people. But the, again, the producers I mean, are, are smart people too. You know, they like ratings. But I'm annoyed by the show because I want to see really talented culinary people on the show. You know, I don't want to see these hacks that are on there, these arrogant idiots. And I mean, there was this one guy who failed at anything he tried. And when he, the chef, he was finally on the chopping block, as it were. And the chef said, Vinny, why do you think I should keep you here? Well, because, you know, I'm really the best out of all these guys. And he finally looked at him and said, Vinny, how about a little honesty for once? If you were the best out of all these guys, you wouldn't be on the chopping block, would you? Right. And I'm, you know, and I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think you should take a look at the chocolate um, rain. <laughs> that's going to be broken out like 15 times in this show. We're not going to approach the 46 mark, but we're going to get close. I Anyways, hope not. Well, you should check out his BBC show because he is dealing with real professional chefs who have just lost their way for some reason or other. They're a little lost. They didn't put down a breadcrumb trail. Yeah. And this one recent show was great because they there was an old English pub run by this guy and his wife. And, and had, they had an old Irish setter. <laughs> it sounds like one of those uh, nursery rhymes. Um, there once was a man from Nantucket. No, that's not a nursery rhyme. Oh. And, and anyways, they, they tried to, to get all fancy and upscale and everything. And he said, look, you're a pub. You're an English pub. Serve pub food. Make it simple. It's easier to cook. And... Mm-hmm. It was great. He turned the place around and they're making money again. And this, he told the guy, you don't go back in the kitchen because you're making a mess of the kitchen. You stay up front and run your restaurant. And then he comes back like six months later and they show the guy's back in the kitchen again. And he screams and yells at him again. <laughs> so it's great. Yeah. You should check that one out. I'll anyway. try to find it. What is that on like BBC America or something? BBC America. I don't, I don't get that. It's it's BBC America. Oh, I, I when you said I don't get that, I thought you were saying that I was speaking too quickly. Yeah, it's, BBC America. Can you spell that BBC? It's BBC. No, I don't get that channel. Ah, uh, I'll tape it and put it on YouTube and uh, cut it with chocolate rain. <laughs> 
That's the dessert Please on one of the do. shows. Yeah. <laughs> that could be the dessert. Chocolate rain. And they have that guy come out and sing and serve it to you. Right, and they pull a cord, and it's almost like Nickelodeon with the slime comes down, but or it's like, chocolate or rain. Or like Lurch. You rang. His voice is deeper than Lurch's. It is. So Tour de France, whether they liked it or not, you know, there's some racing actually got done today because over the uh, the Alps, which they attacked the Alps first this year, last weekend, it's like nobody was racing. Everybody was looking at each other, wanting to react instead of be proactive, you know. All of the people who are expected to win, you know, the Vinokurovs, the Leipheimers, guys like that, they were just hanging back and watching each other, waiting for the other guy to move, and then they would follow. But guess what? Nobody moved, so the Alps were actually pretty boring. Well, Michael Rasmussen moved, and that's why he got in the yellow jersey, and nobody followed him. But you know, nobody tried to make up that deficit. But now, today, there was a time trial, and things actually changed. I heard Borat was in the lead. Borat was on uh, stage. I forget which. He was on the mountaintop Second of stage. one of the stages, anyway, <laughs> in the, in the, uh, in the Alps. But today was a time trial, and for those who don't know what a time trial uh, is, it's where the riders leave at two-minute intervals. This particular course was about 30 miles, and they leave at about two- or three-minute intervals. I forget which, and it's just you against the clock. It's the race of truth. So everybody's out there riding as hard as they can, and the cream really started to rise to the top. Alexander Vinokurov from Kazakhstan, he crashed uh, like last week, and he has... It, between his elbow and his left knee, he has 60 stitches in his body. Oh. So he's been riding. You know, Can you imagine having stitches over your knee and then having to pedal a bike? I mean, he had to be in a lot of pain. But he came out. He was eight minutes behind before today, and he won the uh, time trial. What people might not understand is in a bike race, it's not always people all out trying to go as fast as they can, like in a car be, race. It can be tactical, where yeah. they go slow for a reason. Right. And sometimes you'll have some guy break out, break away, win a stage but he ruins himself but just he he's doing a, a short term win but a long term kind of loss sort of a, a tactical move but a strategic blunder and that's right so it's not always the fastest rider who is winning the stages right which right. is counterintuitive it's a, it's a stage race which means there's like 20 different races every day and there's a different winner every day but the winner of the tour is he who has the lowest cumulative time and uh, so it's possible to not win a stage but win the Tour de France, and it's also possible to win every stage but one and lose the Tour de France. Yeah, and that's why they throw in the time trials is so that there are periods where there are all-out, balls-to-the-wall kind of racing. And there are two time trials. This was the first. There's another 30K one that's a little flatter than this one, so there'll be more balls-to-the-wall. But Alexander Vinokurov wrote a great time trial. He finished uh, in first and... The second place rider was 114 behind, and you know, so basically he took a minute and 14 out of even his closest rival. However, Michael Rasmussen, he was eight minutes behind to start the day, and Rasmussen had his best time trial ever, so he remains in the yellow. And what what I found really cool about this particular stage was that um, Alberto Contador, one of the riders for Team Discovery, was in fifth yesterday, and Levi Leipheimer was in eighth or ninth. And they both rode a pretty good time trial today, and now Contador's in third, and Leipheimer's in fifth. So they each moved up. There's, in other words, Team uh, Team Discovery has two guys in the top five, which is really cool, and we have some really good mountains coming up in another time trial. So the shit's going to hit the fan, as they say, in the next five days. Really? It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, stuff hitting fans... <laughs> What happens when rain hits a fan? And it's chocolate rain. No, I I, anyways, know. I was going to talk about some other sporting news. 
well, not really necessarily on the field sporting news. Remember when we talked about Michael Vick and the whole... Michael Vick 20? Yeah, and the whole uh, NFL thuggery going on. Pac-Man? Well, right now... We're not, we're, we're not going to talk about this later. We're going to talk about it now? We're talking about it now, because this is all intro type stuff anyways. The deal is, Michael Vick has been indicted. Or is he indicted? He's, in, he's indicted into the NFL Hall of Shame. I, I guess they're actually digging holes in his backyard looking for doggy skeletons. Well, from what I understand, there's something like a 93-page indictment, which has all sorts of detailed information going back for several years. This is not someone who just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. We're talking about someone who is essentially running this circus sideshow, being horribly cruel to dogs. He's been named by other people on, on ESPN. I saw an interview with... A guy in a shadow who had a very a voice very much like Tay from Chocolate Rain. It was it made to sound really deep. And he was talking about how this Michael Vick guy was a major player in this illegal mm-hmm. dog fighting, gambling, cockfighting kind of thing. Yeah, and there's like all sorts of descriptions of them electrocuting dogs and really? beating, beating them, beating them to death and crushing their skulls. You know, after the the fights. That kind of thing. It's just all weird weirdness. weirdness. I'm crushing your head. Yeah. And one of the more disturbing things that I read is that uh, when they were raiding some of these dog fights, you know, people flee, so they leave stuff behind. Get it? People flee dogs. No, that wasn't intentional. But people are fleeing the scene as they're raiding. They leave stuff behind. And and on several occasions, they've found things like, you know, baby high chairs, juice boxes, and things like that. So they're they're bringing kids to these dog fights and, and showing them horrible brutality. There's always drugs involved. It's just not a good scene. So. These guys are just punks. It, they're punks, and they end up with a ton of money because of some football contract. Yeah. I mean, they're they're totally ill-equipped, apparently, for civility in the real world. What's the old saying? Uh, you can take I the can think of a thug lot of out of the ghetto, but you can't take the ghetto out of the thug or something like that. You can lead a horse to water, yeah. but you can't make him urinate. You can bring Tay to chocolate, and it will rain. There once was a man <laughs> from Nantucket. <laughs> You know, years ago, I told this story at the restaurant we go to now after the movies, and I was listening to the Bluegrass Ramble, which is a public radio bluegrass show. It's really good. I I can't remember the host's name at the moment, but it's locally produced. It's produced here in Syracuse, and a bunch of other PBS stations pick it up. And he played this recording from like 1922, and the name of the band was Ned Tanner and the Skillet Lickers. (laughs) Oh, man. Which is like the best name. And all of their songs were... Bluegrass songs written around old limericks. And I don't mean there once was a man from Nantucket limericks, not any X-rated limericks. Ah, But yeah, they just, Ned Tanner and the Skillet Lickers. That's like the best name. I think it was Ned Tanner anyway, but it was, you know, something, something in the Skillet Lickers. Anyway. That's got to hurt. We're going long, dude. (laughs) It's the rain. You want to play a tune? Yeah, let's, let's hit it. Okay, check it out.
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what that was? I do. That was Mr. Alan Holdsworth. The third. And uh, that song was called Water on the Brain Part Duh. Part yes. two. And yes, not pod safe, but we do have permission from Alan Holdsworth himself. Hey, this week we're uh, his music. We're, we're drinking uh, some good wine. What do we got? Not, not the swill like last week. In Okay, what is it? It is a Montes Alpha. Cabernet good stuff. 2005. Good. It's uh, Chilean red wine. And I'm liking it. Yeah, it's very good. You I know, picked that up at the same place that I got our uh, Chucky. And, uh, you know, on the scales of truth, <laughs> the Montes wins. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I, I just want to mention the, the Tour de France overall top five right now. Re- Michael Rasmussen from Denmark, Rabobank. Well, Rabobank is the team. Denmark is the country. Oh, I thought he robbed a bank to get nope. into the race. He's still in uh, first, but he lost uh, ridiculous amounts of time to uh, Vinokurov, who won the, the stage today. And because Vinokurov was so far behind, he is still five minutes behind in ninth place. But the overall is Michael Rasmussen, Cadell Evans from Australia, Alberto Contador. He's a, a Spanish dude who rides for Discovery. Andreas Cloden, the German, also riding for Astana, is in fourth. And Levi Leipheimer, the American, riding for Discovery, is in fifth. You know, that it's funny. There's an American in this. There is an American when in this. When was the last time an American won the Tour de France? The last eight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Except for those. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, last year's is still undecided. And uh, they have, I suspect they're going to wait till after the tour to release their findings because they don't want to steal any thunder from the tour while it's underway. Uh, because it's been about, I don't know, six or eight weeks since they unconvened. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason why I bring up the when was the last time, because this is, you know, Tour de France, major European sporting event, worldwide sporting worldwide event. Worldwide sporting event. I but mean, this is the World Cup of cycling. I'm just talking about, you know, kind of like soccer in the U.S. It's not really paid too much attention to. No, um, and, and yet it's broadcast live every day on mm-hmm. the Versus channel, which used to be OLN. And in Formula One racing, another worldwide thing, but mainly in Europe, um, there's a there's an American driver now. Who's driving from America? His name is... Now, tell me this isn't a, a race car driver's name. Scott Speed. <laughs> no. That's his name. Can he drive? I he's actually followed, pretty good. He, who's he driving for? He's in the Red Bull, I think. Um, I think it's Jordan. The but Jordan team? I think it's yeah. the Jordan team. Well, whose power plant are they using? Um, I believe they're using a Ferrari power plant. Really? Uh, but it's the thing that's killing me is he's in the, like the top 15, which is really saying a lot when the top three pretty much dominate completely. Yeah. Formula One, there's a huge drop off after the after first, the, the, first For few. many years, after the top one, there's right. a huge drop off. Right. Mean. But he's actually holding his own. He's qualifying decently. You know, he's not in the bottom 10. And a lot of the, the famous American guys went over there. I don't think Al Unser Jr. went over there, but Michael Andretti went there. Andretti went there, and I think he failed. It, he he had a lot of bad run of luck, too. He had a lot of mechanical failures. And it's like an American's just not, you know, I don't know. We need the right guy to go over there and be on the right team. And, and for me, it's not even about American. I mean, I want Levi Leipheimer to do well, although I suspect Alberto Contador is going to finish higher than him in the tour, for example. But, yeah, I mean, it'd be exciting to see an American driver do well. And conversely, Juan Pablo Montoya, the F1 driver, we talked about him before, he came over to NASCAR, you know, that American oval turn left thing. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. And uh, He won a race. He won a race. And a, a Colombian won a stage of the tour two or three days ago, a guy named Juan Soler, and everybody in Colombia was very happy. Well, Juan Pablo Montoya, he won a race, and the race that he won was the road course. Now imagine that, an F1 driver who can really dominate on a road course. Yeah, yeah. 
So anyway, do you want to play some more of our poetry? Yeah, we got a poetry, poetry slam. This is uh, our friend Bear Grills. No, this no. is Grizzly from the, um, it used to be called Grizzly's Growls. Now I think it's called a minor local celebrity podcast. So let's, uh, let's listen to a little uh, spam poetry from Bear. Invited by the unknown spammer. <laughs> Defense Institute reviews all are invited outside. Flying News Center, four-engine Lockheed Electra airliner, like meat with chalk after the Aero Bureau Corps, his company-built, flown world's first flying, flying News Center, four-engine Lockheed. <laughs> Reviews all are invited. Possible shape. Another nation's view. Reality. April, CSC, Chuck is speaker. This was also given several. Real it now possible? Vehicles enough gear anywhere for up. Also given several weeks ago defense. Speaker, this was also world's first flying news center for engine Lockheed Electra. Hmm. Extension uses controlled violence. Constrain. Two, ISH Tuesday, April, CSE Chuck. Weeks ago, Defense Institute reviews all are invited. Has been changed by advent. Global. Emerging form in age, the classical definition as controlled violence, constrain enemy. Airliner, aircraft, equipped with radio, video, radar, special assignment, reporter, combat experience, Grenada, Suriname. <laughs> Built, flown, world's first flying news center, four-engine, Lockheed. Talk at UPENNCIS Tuesday, Prev, Thread, Next. Without former CNN special assigned reporter, combat experience, Grenada. Radio, video, radar, infrared helicopter remotely. Are invited outside. CSE students, please advise me if invited outside. CSE students, please advise outside. CSE students, please advise me if you coming. Now, possible shape, another nation's view, reality. Using effects. Infrared copter remotely invited. Lockheed for engine Electra. You know some of the Brilliant. grammar. Some of the grammar in the uh, the spam poetry is a little questionable too. <laughs> Me love you long time. <laughs> it was wonderful. Too beaucoup, baby. Too beaucoup. No, that was wonderful. I mean, that's why it's poetry because it breaks all down all that conventions and it's beat poetry because you know it's sticking it to the man. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh man. So, what do you got? What's uh what's going you on? You sent me this thing. Hit me I, with this, baby. I sent you a cra- You know, I I don't have too much to say about it other than the fact that it scares me. A friend of mine at work the other day uh from New Jersey emailed me this presidential White House executive order link to the whitehouse.gov uh website. Yeah, this isn't fake. This is real whitehouse.gov. This is real and the title is Executive Order colon blocking property of certain persons who threaten stabilization efforts in Iraq. And it begins by saying, by authority vested in me as president of the Constitution and laws of the United States of America, comma, including the International Emergence Economic Powers Act. I mean, who knows what that is? It's like spam beat poetry. <laughs> yeah. As amended, and it lists all these sections and subsections and acronyms, the National Emergencies Act and Section 301 of Title Three, United States Code. I, 
George W. Bush, President of the United States of America, find that due to the unusual and extraordinary threat to the national security and foreign policy of the United States posed by acts of violence threatening the peace and stability of Iraq and undermining efforts to promote economic reconstruction and political reform in Iraq, and to provide humanitarian assistance to the Iraqi people, it is in the interests of the United States to take additional steps with respect to the national emergency declared in Executive Order 13303 of May 22, 2003, and expanded in Executive Order blah, 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 blah. He'd list a lot of crap where we're adding additional uh, unconstitutional laws to. And at the end of the day, what does it say? All property and interests in property of the following persons that are in the United States that hereafter come within the United States and that are or hereafter come within the possession or control of the United States are blocked and may not be transferred, paid, exported, withdrawn, or otherwise dealt in any person determined by the Secretary of the Treasury in consultation with the Secretary of State and Secretary of Defense. Now, uh, apparently this has to do with property and in... with. What do they have to do to have this property uh, seized, frozen, seized, blocked, you know, revoked to have committed or to pose a significant risk of committing an act or acts of violence that have the purpose or effect of threatening the peace and stability of Iraq or the government of Iraq, undermining efforts to promote economic reconstruction and political reform in Iraq or to provide humanitarian assistance to the Iraqi people, blah, 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 blah. You see where this is going. Basically... If you can be shown to have been a negative impact on peace and stabilization of peace in Iraq, your property can be, what was the word you used? Seized. Seized by the United States government. And now, what what did you say to me in email? There was some language in here that you really scared you. Well, what what kind of scared me... Cause kind of? Well, well, when you first said this, you said, well, by these words, maybe our show could necessarily be considered, you know, uh, efforts towards um, undermining the stability in Iraq. Well, I said, well, you know, it, it actually specifically states uh, committing acts of violence. But then in that same sentence, it says, or to pose a significant risk of committing, which really scared me because who determines what that significant risk is? Someone can say, well... They were thinking maybe Tom possibly Cruise in Minority Report. Right, that's what I brought up. They were maybe possibly thinking that there were future criminals in the works. So they and, have these three women floating in a pool. <laughs> right. You know who who determines this? Essentially, th- what this order says is we're going to arrest you. We're going to seize your property, and it's up to you to tell us that we're wrong or to prove that we're wrong. And chances are, average folk do not have the the means to defend themselves against the United States government. And what scares me about this also is, well, like you were talking about, who gets to determine this stuff? Well, the courts do. And Bush has loaded the courts with all these fascist judges, you know? And, I mean, of course these guys are going to rule in his favor. Well, I don't know if they're going to necessarily rule in his favor, but... Well, in the, the favor of this. But the thing is, his we know what the system's all about. You're ruined before you're even getting a ruling. I mean, yeah. you're, look you're, at Lance. Look at Floyd Landis, rather. Yeah, you're brought into court. Essentially, all of your worldly goods and resources are taken away from you. The stuff that you would need to necessarily defend yourself from such allegations. So you're basically tanked. So this is just another one of those efforts to shut people up and and to stifle uh, dissent. Right. And you know, I don't go to the WhiteHouse.gov website much, and 
I don't know if, as you pointed out, there's no link on the homepage showing no. the latest executive orders. But how many of these Read things... Read here to see more rights removed. Yeah, how many of these things get written every month or whatever, every week, that nobody hears about? And you did a search, didn't you? First thing I did when you sent this to me is I read it. Second thing I did is I went to CNN and uh, U.S. News, all these different websites looking for any reference to this new executive order. None. No one's covering it. They don't think it's sexy, I guess. Yeah, well, corporate media, well, they're primarily all, they're there to tell the untruth, you know. The, but I know the I ministry, They're the ministry of truth. They're the minute truth. <laughs> they're the minus truth? Exactly. I got distracted, though, when I was doing the searches. Why, did somebody offer you a case of Charles Shaw? No, pictures of iPhone came up, and I was like, <laughs> iPhone must go. Chocolate rain. No, I'm serious. You go onto the news, and there are more stories about the iPhone you know, than this. that dude has an iPhone. Chocolate rain dude? Yeah, he does. He does not. Uh, he might. I love him he, then. <laughs> I know. You want to lick his face. His skillet. <laughs> well, you're a skillet licker. <laughs> We're just getting Philly. Yeah, and you know, this this executive order has a bunch of language that is just so, you know, and my girlfriend's a lawyer, so I, I don't want to pick on lawyers, but the prohibitions in subsection A and of this section include, but are not limited to, the making of any contribution or provisions, funds, good services, by, to, or for the benefit. Who can read this? You know what I mean? It's perfectly clear. It's clear as mud. Oh, and, and what I love about this is it can be interpreted, or should I say misinterpreted, for their benefit. You know what I mean? Well, to me, the the, Look, the funny the, thing about... The, the logo, the president, the White House the president, seal. Up we're on the we're probably left. breaking laws by printing that. We're, actually, we're probably <clears throat> in violation of this order by telling people about it. <laughs> right. I mean, wouldn't that be ironic? Right, because we're stirring dissent. That's a, uh, pff, Yeah. That's right. The, the order in and of itself is is dangerous document, so the president should be hauled up on charges. <laughs> yeah, actually, he should be hauled up on many charges, actually. He's an underminer. <laughs> Strategery. He's he's uh, coming to, to grips with his underminification. I heard him on television the other day talking about the Barry Bonds issue, right? Because he was on he was being interviewed on CNN because they did a little t-ball thing on the White House grounds. Well, like the they president is a, a notorious baseball fan. Yeah, and a bad owner. Every business he's ever owned is tanked. Hello. But anyway, so the CNN, or I'm sorry, the ESPN guy was talking to him about sports, and, uh, you know, he was throwing the hard questions at him, not politically, but sport. What's your favorite color? No, he asked, Great. should the commissioner be at the games, you know, when Barry Bonds is threatening to hit 755 and 756? He's within two of he tying is. it. And George Bush is like, well, you know, I, I really haven't thought about it. As you can imagine, I've got a lot on my mind. <laughs> I got some thinkification to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> got to thinkify my way out of this paper bag. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he really didn't uh, He really didn't say much about the uh, – him, of course, being a, a notorious drug user, a recovering alcoholic, and – Cocaine fiend. I don't know how much he can say about drugs, but well, anyone can turn their life around, and and some people don't. And I commend him for having stayed off the sauce and off. The how drugs. do you know he's off the sauce and off well, the drugs? From from what I understand, I have no reason to believe that he's back on it, and I'm not going to fault him for for the past sins. No, I'm, I'm not faulting, I'm faulting him for, him for his current ones. Yeah, we're <laughs> faulting him for his current sins. Yeah, so you should definitely check this thing out, and I'm going to have to start searching the uh, White House. 
website for more of these bizarre executive orders. Did you read the one about underwear? No, tell me. You're not allowed to wear it no more. I work with this guy named Fred who has a T-shirt that says, it's got a checkbox and then a little a few words next to each checkbox, and it says, bikini, briefs, commando, and the commando is checked. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I thought I always get a kick out of that shirt. There's a uh, there's a woman who... Chocolate rain. <laughs> there's a woman who does a, uh, a computer help show on the radio. Her name is Kim Commando. Yeah, I've seen her. Yeah. She how started. Do go, out, how, do you, how do you go through life with a name like Commando? She started out years ago on those Ask Mike segments, which Mike used to be the host of, and they used to have Ian on going really back. Remember she the, was on those. She before she had her own radio show, she was selling like how to DVDs or whatever, you know, sort of like the Video Professor or something. Oh, okay. And teaching you about Microsoft Word and Excel and all that, and you know what I'm talking about. You remember Ask Mike? But wait, but there's Mike, more. But Mike, and then there was That's that right. British guy Ian who we lo- used to have a picture of him when you lived yep. in uh, at SU with with Derek yep. used to have a picture of him on the wall but yeah she started out on there you know and uh, now she's got that PBS radio show or whatever like with click and clack she's syndicated and, yeah yeah she's huge well, she's but not anyway, that big yeah, well she's sort of attractive but Commando it's a good name if you can get it if you can go that way did you talk about the wine you did talk yes, about I the yes I mentioned the wine okay you know what you know what it's time for I don't know Chocolate Rain. You want to play another song? Yes. We're not going to play Chocolate Rain, are we? Eventually we're going to. <laughs> I guess we'll have to, but yeah. let's let's play something a little less... Um, rainy? Uh, rainy, chocolatey. Strangest duck in the pond Oddest bird in the nest How did I get caught? You wear your grandfather's pants With ties that are much too bold Yet you walk with a bounce in your step Oblivious Though you may be quirky It's strangely working on me You make the rest of them wonder But you just make me smile Like so many other men Dirty joke You get drunk now and again It's not tobacco That you
rest of them wonder But you just make me smile I can't talk to you on the phone You speak a language all your own But sometimes I speak it too That's how I Everybody who is a fan of ours, all one of them knows who that is, I'm sure. That's the uh, people who did Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> Led Zeppelin. No. That's the Dolly Le- Parton. Libidinous Biddies. Dolly Parton did Stairway to Heaven, didn't she? She covered it, yeah. Oh, that's right. Lascivious Biddies. Lascivious Biddies, yes. And that one was called Odd Bird. And they are a set of odd birds. I love the Biddies. Yeah, we all do. I saw a cool film at Munson, a little piece called Away From Her, PG-13, directed by Sarah Polly, 2007. It's a, a United States film, and I guess this film might be subtitled Fun With Alzheimer's. Oh, nice. No, actually, I, I'm not. Wait, what was this film called again? Fun With Alzheimer's. No. And uh, this film was actually very sweet. It was a very sort of sweet look at a couple, one of whom started to show the deteriorative, I don't know if that's a word, but I just used it. Deteriorative. It's like a presidential word. (laughs) No, it's on an executive order. (laughs) She started to lose her mind. She started to lose her memory, and her name was Fiona, and she was played by wonderful actress, Oscar-winning actress Julie Christie. And uh, her husband, whose character was named Grant, I believe was played by Gordon Pinsent, and Olympia Dukakis was in this film. And uh, I mean, it actually had a pretty all-star cast. Wasn't Sarah Polly an actress? Is she an actress? Uh, she may be, but she she's a director on... The name's on ringing a bell. I'm going to look her up. Yeah. And what was this film about? It was, okay, so Fiona starts exhibiting symptoms of forgetting her memory. And after a certain amount of negotiations with her husband, Grant, she decides to go, and this takes place in Canada, she decides to go into an old folks home or a rest home or whatever you want to call it. And Grant has to kind of live with the idea, first of all, that he's not with the woman he loves. This couple seem to have a pretty ideal marriage up till that point, you know. They seem to really care for one another. And uh, the, the idea of putting his wife even though it was her choice mostly in this home was was pretty foreign to him and one of the unfortunate policies of this home was that and once you put the person in there you cannot family members or anyone cannot see them for 30 days and unfortunately in in this particular case what it allowed to happen was it allowed her to start forging relationships with other people including another man because she started to forget her husband ah her husband, Grant, and this, of course, was very troubling to him. But what was great about this film and the sort of the sweetness of this film, kind of like in Goodbye Lennon, you know, the lengths that people will go to show their love for other people. Um, he did a pretty amazing thing at the end of this film because there was a period in in her confinement <laughs> at this, this old folks' home where she started to deteriorate because this other man that she had sort of started developing this relationship with was pulled out of the old folks' home by the man's wife, who is played by Olympia Dukakis, and we see a little bit of a sort of a relationship between her and the Grant character as well. But, I mean, he does an amazing thing. He decides to ask this Olympia Dukakis uh, she, character to put her husband back in the 
the facility because he knows it would be best for his wife, even though it pains him, the idea that his wife is sort of developing this relationship with another man. He also knows it would be better for her emotional development that, you know, this man goes in there because the second floor of the hospital is the place that you don't want to be. It's probably where they start making you wear diapers. And when you really start, when your brain really starts, um, you know, what's the word I want? Raining chocolate. <laughs> no. And Deteriorating. A really, really, really nice piece of work. It, it had a, a, a pacing similar to a film I saw a few years ago called The uh, Barbarian Invaders or something like that. It was a Canadian film about this guy who was suffering from cancer. And uh, it was a, a film filmed mostly in Quebec, so it was in French. But it, it was paced very similarly to that. But, yeah, I really like this film. It was very sweet. I, I like the, the message of the film. And there's some great performances in here. And it's just a great story. It's based on a uh, a short story that uh, this director, Sarah Polly, apparently read on an airplane or something. And she said, wow. wow, this would make a really great movie. And it is a great movie. It's it's a very sweet story. And, there's, as I said, there's some great performances in here. And it's really worth seeing. I, I really liked it. You know where that's going to go? Where what's going to go? The film. Where? On cue. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's very sweet, and uh, I, I think pretty much anybody would enjoy this. And the, the the sad irony here is that one of the people that I go to see films with, Garlic, Chris, mom was suffering from Alzheimer's. And, you know, this really hit her pretty hard because she's lived with this. You know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of people do. Yeah, and it's 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 just unbelievable and you know i'm going to point a finger at you mr no stem cell research because uh, as far as i'm concerned i think some of this research can can help with these brain dementia diseases did i say no stem cell research i think you did on a previous show i, I think, think you have i don't think i've said I, no I, stem cell research. i think you did i said no fetal stem cell research oh there's a well, difference well fine mr <laughs> there are there are plenty of stem cells elsewhere well, I'm going to take your fetal and I'm going to use it for stem cell because when you get I don't have a fetal Alzheimer's, you about? you're going to be begging me to 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 fix your stem cell with a fetal. If, when, if I've got Alzheimer's, I might not even know who you are, and I'll be you, thankful. You don't know who I am now, so <laughs> you know all know? you know is you need an iPhone. <laughs> chocolate Rain, Chocolate Rain. You know it would be perfect if I can get the iPhone and I could play Chocolate Rain on you it. You could, and I could send it to you. <laughs> no, because I would delete it immediately. <laughs> well, that's what's cool about the iPhone is you can keep hitting resend, resend, resend. I'm, did I say the title of this film? It's yes, called you did. Away from Her. Maybe and you should go on stem cells. It's very sweet. I eat them every day. Oh, okay. Anyway, I think that's a sure tis show. Check us out on the web, www.bloodyveg.com. Yeah, check out our forum, bloodyveg.com slash forum. Where you can find all kinds of uh, people who are criticizing our movie reviews. No, wait, nobody did that. No, there's a lot of sleeping going on in films. Yeah, there's a lot of handgun shooting and sleeping. Goddess worshipping. And uh, alien attack fearing. Gulching, whatever that is. <laughs> And uh, leave us feedback to feedback at bloodyveg.com because we'd like some. Yeah, and did we ever say who we were? We are the blood... We, we rarely we, do. Yeah, it's been a while. This is Rich Wilgus. John Tellerico. And we are the Bloodthirsty Vegetarians, and you've been listening to the BV on the VIB. 